Hello, and welcome to Only Lovers Book Club, where I get together with my long lost members of the Puerto Rican royal family to read uh, romance and talk about it. There's three of us, so we all take turns. You know, I, this is like a monarchy, but like a democratic one, I guess, or I don't know, whatever. Anyway, we take turns, and uh, then that person gets to ask us questions, and that's what this is all about. Um, before we get started, a uh, shout out to uh, the Instagram page, Fierce by Fierce Me, Fierce by Me Too. I'll include the link in the description um, for shouting us out as a Latinx book club that you should check out. And then anyone who on their previous post had, you know, recommended us. Um, we had a lot of new friends on Instagram and listening to the podcast version and here on YouTube. So it's very exciting to see new people. And um, I like doing this for fun. And I like doing this with you guys because you guys are my best friends. And this guarantees I see you at least once a, <laughs> once a month. Um, but yeah, it's always nice to have other people around. So if you're curious about us, you can find all of our information on Instagram. We are at Only Lovers Book Club on Instagram. If you're on YouTube, all of that will be in the description box. If you're listening to the podcast, that link will also be in the description. Um, and yeah, check it out. If you like what you see, if you're on YouTube, if you like what you're listening to, you can always leave us a tip. Um, and uh, yeah, befriend us. And cool. Let's get on with the let's get on with the show. Um, now, before we talk about why Drea picked the book, let's see what it's about. Uh, Andrea, could you read the what the book is about? Yes. Um, it said, and I don't know how you actually pronounce these names, so <laughs> we'll see if anybody. Same. Um, Makeda Hicks has lost her job and her girlfriend in one fell swoop. The last thing she's in the mood for is to rehash the story of her grandmother's infamous summer fling with a runaway prince from Iberania or the investigator from the World Federation of Monarchists tasked with searching for Iberania's missing heir. Yet when Besnaria Chachavalry... <laughs> Mira, I always said in my head, Bez Checha. So when Bez Checha crashes into her life, the sleek and sexy investigator exudes exactly the kind of chaos that organized and efficient Makeda finds irresistible, even if Bez is determined to drag her into a world of royal duty that Makeda wants nothing to do with. When a threat to her grandmother's livelihood pushes Makeda to agree to return to Iberania, Bez takes her on a trans transatlantic adventure with a crew of lovable weirdos, a fake marriage, and one-bed hijinks on the high seas. When they finally make it to Iberania, they realize there's more at stake than just cash and crown, and Makeda must learn what it means to fight for what she desires and not what she feels bound to by duty. Yeah, that's exactly what I read. I read that. Yeah, I read that. Um... Tosh, can you please tell us about the author? I mean, just for those like fools living under a rock who are on a romance book club page and don't know anything about Alyssa Cole, um, could you please just enlighten us? <laughs> it's literally just you who knows anything about Alyssa Cole, Chris. Okay, okay. okay judgy, judgy McJudgerson. <laughs> 
All right. So the effervescent Alyssa Cole is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author of romance, historical, contemporary, and sci-fi, and thrillers. Her Civil War set espionage romance, An Extraordinary Union, was the American Literary Library Association's RUSA Best Romance for 2018, and A Princess in Theory was one of the New York Times' 100 Notable Books of 2018. She's contributed to publications including Bustle, Shondaland, The Toast, Vulture, RT Book Reviews, and Heroes and Heartbreakers, and her books have received critical acclaim from the New York Times, Library Journal, BuzzFeed, Kirkus, Booklist, Jezebel, Vulture, Book Riot, Entertainment Weekly, and various other artists outlets. When she's not working, she can usually be found watching anime or wrangling her pets. Ah, love her. Also, this is a lot of a lot of good stuff. Shondaland, you, you know me and Shonda. Woof. <laughs> so I, I yes, so I have read a uh, a lot of the Alyssa. Well, not a lot, but more than I guess us collectively have read. So I, I read these, like I said, I read the Civil War uh, series. I read How to Catch a Queen. And I read um, When No One Was Watching, which was um, the thriller, which always upsets me when I see it in the romance section because it's not a romance book. It's a thriller with like some sex in it. But like, it's a thriller. That's not, it's not the same thing. Anyway, so, um, so yeah. Also, Alyssa Cole has this really cute newsletter um, where Sometimes she sends like snippets of the books that she's working on or like short stories. Uh, and that was Girls with Glasses. I think it's on Substack. I'll put a link on that as well. I'm subscribed to it and it's it very irregularly sends. So it's not um, it's not like a, an annoying newsletter, but it's pretty cool. So Girls with Glasses, you can check that. And she is geeky and fun. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it or whatever. So Drea, why'd you pick this cute book? <laughs> So um, it's my birthday month and I wanted to pick like an extra special book. And so originally I had picked Sorrowland um, by River Solomon. And then, you know, when you just have a feeling that something's just not going to vibe, I got that feeling and I'm glad I listened to it because I read the book and it was fantastic. But wow, was it a super downer and the romance was the kind of romance that's like super tragic and not in a romantic way so I think we would have had plenty to talk about but it would have all been really sad <laughs> so I'm glad that I went the opposite route <laughs> and picked this book instead because this was like the super light fluffy happy romance that I didn't know I needed um but the reason I picked it, I think, I, I just saw it on Instagram. <laughs> That's how I pick a lot of my books, to be honest. I saw the cover on Instagram and I said, wow, that looks so sexy. I mean, look at that. I am a sucker for the like girl in a dress and then girl in like powerful outfit. Um, so I immediately wanted to know more. I, I read the description and I was like, this sounds like something I would want to read. And I posed it to the club. All club members were in agreement, and, um, yeah, the book got changed <laughs> last minute. I mean, that's fair. And yeah, I'm, I've started Sorrowland as well. And I, I get what you mean. I know that we would have had plenty to talk about, but I think also coming from Queen Move, it was a it was the right move. You did the Queen Move, <laughs> uh, 
I'm picking this and picking this book. Um, so what did you think? Like you finished it? Like give me give me your overall thoughts and then we can go around and kind of give our overall impressions before you give us your questions. I mean, I loved it. I gave it five stars. I thought it was super duper cute. Um, I was very into Bez as the romantic interest. Um, I sadly felt that I probably would have been Makeda in this book. And this happens to me often. I'll watch a TV show and I'll be like, that's the character I want to be. But that's the one I actually am. <laughs> and so that was literally this book for me. Um, but yeah, I just thought I, I really like romances that don't have this like epic fight where like they're never going to talk to each other again. And like it's super dramatic, like. I like books like this that don't have like a super, super dramatic falling out. And it's more just like, hey, stuff came up and, you know, maybe we were upset about it for a day. And then we talked about it like regular human beings in a relationship and like worked it out. So I really appreciate as fantastical as this book is that it really just felt like a regular kind of book about two ladies I might know in real life. Oh, really quick. Um, if you are watching, then you can see kind of like what is happening uh, costume wise. If you're listening, let me describe it to you. Tashai is wearing a almost like a fantasy princess circlet because this is like a book about finding a princess. Um, and it's very cute. And then Drea is wearing like, like she's, she's vibing as the sexy security guard. Um, because um, Bez is kind of like this very strong agent. I don't know. I don't know. I don't exactly know like what her position, what her title was. I think agent is a good way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like so, she does um, a lot of mm -hmm. bodyguardy kind of things, yeah. but without the title. Yeah. So Drea is wearing like backwards black baseball cap, dark sunglasses, black shirt, security vest, and it's just vibes. I am cosplaying as Meghan Markle. So that's a, <laughs> just kidding. I don't have anything on. I'm just light skinned bitch. So to shy. Um, <laughs> just one of the ship crew. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the overalls. I'm ready to, I'm ready to go uh, find a stowaway. Except that I don't know if anyone's actually looking, but yeah. Anyway, uh, to shy. What did you think of the book? It took me like a hot second to actually be able to have time to start reading it, but then once I did, I got through it pretty quickly. I definitely took advantage of lulls in between work to just kind of power read it, but um, I think maybe even like three nights ago, I sat down and just like like sixty percent of the book got read that one night. So it's a it's a fast paced uh, light read. Um, I think I gave it four stars. I. Mm was pleasantly into the story. Um, I, it took me a while to, I think I went through the same, I guess, journey as Makeda in that when Bez is first introduced and, and you start reading her, uh, her perspective and like how she acts and stuff, I found her annoying. Like I was very much annoyed by her. Uh, I thought she was doing too much, and there was a lot of whimsy happening in her in her perspective and stuff. And I couldn't tell if it was like 
intentional or if it was unintentional. And it took me a while to kind of just be like, to understand what her vibe was. I think if she, if this was someone I like met in person, it would be a lot easier to just like get them and be and be chill. But because I'm reading it and I don't speak or think in that way, it took me a hot second to just be like, okay, what is is this like a real person? Or like, what's what's going on? But then once I got into it, I was like, oh, okay, like cool. She's just like, this is just the way that she is. Cool. It's not her playing a bit or anything. And then I liked how, despite all the whimsy and like pixie like uh, perspective we got from her, she was also very straightforward and like always very direct, didn't beat around the bush about anything, was very direct with Makeda about how she felt, even though Makeda like didn't get it and was like, you're just mm -hmm. playing these roles. And Bez is like, I literally am not, but okay. Um, I also liked how, so so usually when you have a character who is who is characterized or portrayed in this like whimsical way, they're very like sex aver at averse. Like they're not the ones that are going to be pursuing a character in a way that's sexual. Usually they're the one that's being pursued by someone because they're so taken aback by the like free spirit or whatever but she was super direct with Makeda about like wanting to like fuck and Makeda just didn't get it for the longest time so I thought that was hilarious because she's just like oh I don't know if she actually likes me or not and Bez is like I I would fuck you now but we're working like there's there's a contract unless you want to in which case the contract can be amended I'm like yo she's direct as fuck so it was cute. I, I think I kind of guessed where the ending was going to go, but it didn't take away from me liking it. But it, it did feel like there was this one long journey and then like, and then it was done. Like, and then, and then the reveal happened and it's done and that's it. And like, okay, cool. Everything gets wrapped up in a bow. And I was like, eh. So I, I knocked off a star because of, because of that. Because I feel like there could have been less time before the ship and then more time in the ship and after the ship. Like it, it could have been a little longer to really just fully round out the these parts of the story. But no, I liked it. I honestly probably one of the best written sexy scenes in a while. Like not since the Danny Brown Brown sisters um sexy scenes have I have I read something that was just like not, like good. This is like Primo, chef's kiss. Uh, so, yeah, good, good job. I really, uh, I knew that I was going to like this book. I haven't read a single Alyssa Cole book that I have disliked. I've liked some more than others, but for the most part, it's a pretty sure bet for me that if I'm reading an Alyssa Cole book, I'm going to enjoy it for the most part. Um, so I read How to Catch a Queen, and the tone shift from How to Catch a Queen to like this is like whoosh, like whiplash because How to Catch a Queen is very dramatic, so much angst. I mean, and there's like actual like literal stakes where, you know, like if this doesn't happen, then the whole freaking country's gonna collapse because ah, you know, and um, it's maybe not that dramatic, but it, it, sure feel, it sure felt that way. It sure felt like this is a place that needs a leader that can lead and this guy sucks and she can help him, but he's not letting her help anyway. So this was a nice change of pace. I, I just want to say like, it was just like a nice, like 
whoo, we're in a rom-com now. There's like a sexy Ferris wheel scene, you know? Um, um, I don't know if you're going to get into the whole like Anastasia, the, how this was marketed as an Anastasia retelling, but um, I'll just say- Yeah, that's my first question. Okay, cool. So I, will, I won't get into it or whatever, um, but uh, I was really excited. I'll say that I was really excited for for something of that, like a lost royal trope. Um, but I do think that the pacing of it was a little bit weird. And I do think that we needed an epilogue to know, you know, to to clinch the HEA. Like, it's just, I mean, I don't know what it is lately, but like a lot of the people that I feel like we've been reading just like have a hard time sticking the landing. Like they'll do the whole like pirouette and it'll look great. And then they like land and then they like drop their leg back. You know what I mean? Oh, and then that's where they dock the points off or they do like the two hops back. Or we see them starting to land and it cuts off so we don't see if they yeah. did stick it well, or if they stumbled or not. They're like, So I, I, do feel like, I do feel like that. I enjoyed the characters. I felt like the characters were very um, vivid and different from the kinds of characters that we find in romance novels usually. Like their, their damage <laughs> was very specific and um, another damage, but they're like, their issues, you know, the problems that they're, they're bringing to their relationship. But like Andrea said, um, I enjoyed that it was also very low stakes in, in regards to like the world and, and the world of the universe. And whenever there was sort of like a disagreement or some sort of disruption in the world, it would just be like, hey, we need to talk about this. And then they would talk about it. And that's this great relationship modeling. I think that that's fantastic. So um, yeah, I'm ready to answer questions. So that's my overall thoughts. <laughs> Well, I mean, you kind of brought up my first question, which is um, even though it doesn't mention it in the actual back of the book, um, when you open like the Goodreads page or the Amazon page or any bookseller page, you know how they have like that little like eye catching sentence like that they hook you with before they get to the book blurb. So it, they always use that space to say that this is an Anastasia retelling, even though they don't actually say that in the back of the book. And so I just wanted to know if you thought that was an accurate comparison, if you thought it was like an Anastasia retelling or if it wasn't or why you think that's the book it got compared to. Um, just curious what you thought about that comparison because that's one of the things that personally made me want to pick the book so you want to go first Tasha what do you want sure um I don't think I would have associated this with Anastasia if no one had mentioned it like if no one had brought up this is it this is like an Anastasia retelling then it wouldn't have even crossed my mind because Makeda doesn't ever think she's a princess. It's it's her mom has this like obsession that has made the idea of being a princess this like terrible thing for Makeda. So it's not like she grew up unaware of royalty, unaware of this like family or circumstance at all. Like her her life has already been affected by this idea of monarchy. So she is not grown up completely dis disconnected from this. Um, which I think is is not similar to the Anastasia situation because in that it's kind of like, oh, I've found this like street urchin and it turns out she's this long lost princess. Mikaela's like, 
leave me the hell alone. I don't want to be a princess. Mom is like an obsessive compulsive. Like, I don't know what's going on with her. She's fixating on this thing. It's ruined my life. It's ruined her life. Like, leave me the fuck alone. And then Bez is just like, oh, I feel like you could be the princess. Like, uh, it didn't, it didn't. Yeah, like I said, I, I would have had no idea unless people had mentioned it. Um, still overall, it's a it's a good like, oh, is she or isn't she a royal story? Um, and I think that it does fine without, I, I think maybe it's just a quick way to sell it to people who think that that would be a good story. Like that's the easiest way to sell a story about someone being like not possibly being royal. Like it's not a Prince and the Pauper story. So it's an Anastasia story. Uh, so agreed. you think it's that that's interesting. You So you think there's like a category of Anastasia stories that aren't necessarily like the Anastasia story. Yeah. If it's, if it's like, Oh, um, or like if it's not a princess, then it's like, I never met my father. Oops, turns out my father's a millionaire. Or what a girl wants. Oh, who are, who's my actual dad? Oh, he's a prince. Like, I think there's ways to to shape it that it would have been that closer to an Anastasia story. If she had not known anything about royalty, if her mom hadn't been obsessed with the monarchy, hadn't ruined their lives to try to become rich and like uh, become a royal. If it had literally just been Bez shows up one day and is like, hey, you did a 23andMe thing. I'm I fucking I've been looking for you for fucking ever. Like we gotta go. And then Mikado was like, what? Then it would have made seemed more like that to me. Can you remind me of the question, Drea? <laughs> Sorry. I want to make sure I'm answering it correctly. Just did you think it was actually an Anastasia re retelling? So yes and no. Yes, because I think that. Anastasia was an inspiration for Alyssa Cole. And I remember reading that in one of her interviews. However, I think that ultimately the story kind of runs more into the secret royal or lost royal trope, where it's any and all of the, and even more uh, situations that Deshaya described, you know, where, oh, I didn't know my parents were royal. But the point that I'm making is that we actually run across it quite a bit and it's done in a different way. It doesn't always have to be um, like the Anastasia. Basically when I think of Anastasia, I think of like the not Disney cartoon because it's not a Disney cartoon, even though people, you know what I mean? Like I always thought it was a Disney cartoon, but it's not, right? It's not. Anyway, um, and I, so yeah, it's like, oh, we're going to take this girl and we need to like pass her off as a princess. And then it's like, oh my God, like, you know, she's, I'm in love with her now, but that's besides the point. Anyway, um, now we're presenting her and they're like, oh shit, it turns out it's her, you know? It's so, it, it, it's just, it doesn't fall necessarily into it. But I think that it helped, I guess, get people to read the book. Readers needed something that they can grab on really quick. And you know, like the white ladies are gonna immediately know what Anastasia is about. I and, think it's also just like a, like a marketing thing, like ahora está bien pegado, the queer retellings. Everyone's mm -hmm. doing a queer retelling of everything. Mm -hmm. So I think saying, this is the queer Anastasia you like didn't know you needed is a really easy way to get all the gays to buy yes. this book. <laughs> exactly. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, yes, I can see where she was inspired by the story of Anastasia, but I think this story is its own thing. 
And it is a lost royal story, but I think it's its own thing. And a lot of people that read that it was an Anastasia retelling and then read it and were disappointed. I think that was a big part of it. I think that they came in with this expectation and they had this like completely new story. I was like, well, this isn't a retelling. This is just inspired by that, which is okay. But if I'm want to read Black Anastasia, then that's the story I'm expecting. But otherwise, I still think it was fine. A lot of people like didn't get over that disappointment, I feel like, because I was looking at Goodread reviews and I was, you know, a lot of people were like, it isn't Anastasia. And I'm like, you're right, it isn't. And it's not your fault that you thought that. Everyone told you that that's what that was. All right. So um, another thing that comes up a lot in this book is all of this like off the page bullying, trauma, uh, gambling, like all this stuff that happens off page. And so um, what were your thoughts on I, because this book is like so rom-commy and like light and fluffy, but then like off page, all of these like actually really shitty things have like happened to both main characters. Um, and we kind of bring that into their relationship. So just what were your thoughts on all of that um, baggage, I guess? I think I didn't really see their individual uh, baggage or histories having a big impact on their interactions <clears throat> as much as it could have. Um, so, so I think Makeda definitely is the main, like more upfront baggage carrier because She's just been dumped and has been fired and has like all her family drama llama that's happened for forever. And she's very upfront about all this shit that's going on. Like, I feel like she's the kind of person who will just like tell everybody <laughs> what's up um, just from the way she like became friends with people on the ship and stuff. And she was like, even though she, it seemed like she tried to portray herself as someone who was like, I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to talk about it. She was like, she's pretty easy to read. Um, but Bez was just like, I think the way that she interpreted things and, and processed things that happened around her or to her had such a like objectivity to it that it didn't feel... It, it almost felt like she brushed everything off for the most part whenever something bad happened or she didn't register it as something as bad as it as it really was and was definitely one of those like she's very objective and practical but also somehow manages to like always be positive and th and see the bright side of stuff so I think it was like really interesting how they played with their personalities because Makeda feels like she would be the one that's a lot more like hopeful and positive and stuff, but she has given too much and now and now is like just really affected by all this stuff. And then Bez, who's like been through shit, has enough almost like objectivity to see that like it's just things that happen. And oh, yep, that's a bad thing, but we need to get we need to move on. We need to learn from it. So I I don't know that I missed rehashing anything. I think that the way that they dropped stuff through the story was good and, and gave me enough context for like each person's backstory and history. But 
yeah, I, I was just kind of like, okay, like, yeah, they've been through some shit, but they seem to be doing fine, at least as they talk to each other. And like, yeah, that sounds like a really good yoga class. Like, I want to go to that yoga class. <laughs> well, I think that the trauma that the, at least Makeda went through, that was pretty intense. Um, like, I was like, I remember reading it and being like, holy fucking shit, oh my God. Because um, it's one of those things where you're like, oh my God, this sounds absolutely brutal. Um how is this person even functioning right now? But, you know, a lot of people do, like, survive and thrive family trauma. So it is it is what it is. But I think that it was a good uh, point to set up why Makeda would be so reluctant to be a royal. Um, I think that that really kind of, because, you know, me, I'm the kind of person who's like, wait, what? Like, you don't want to be a princess? You don't want magic? Like, why? And I'm like, oh, I get it. I totally get why you wouldn't want <laughs> that. You wouldn't want this. Um, so I didn't think that it was um, exploitative or, you know, just like too much trauma or like, you know, the dreaded like R word, like what happened in the, the shifter book. You know, I think it was uh, realistic enough and uh, realistic enough that I got, I understood why I don't want to win the lotto. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I just want to have a normal life that I have like a lot of control over. And Makeda's thing is that she wants to be in control of, of things and not like in a, you know, I'm going to put my whole closet and I'm going to puppet master the whole thing. I just want to have like some say in what my destiny is. And I think that the big part of her like character growth is that she wants to fine, this whole like world thing is like thrown on her lap and at first she fights against it. Once she accepts it, then it's kind of like a more, I'm gonna kind of go with the flow and control things as they come, you know, like as it happens. Um, so I think that it was a good starting point for her, a great point of conflict for her internally. And then a great thing to kind of like overcome and surpass. It was a very good like character arc uh, for me, uh, for in my interpretation. Yeah, I think I know I, I agree with what both of you said. Um, and I also personally really like too that what they each brought to the relationship made them realize like, oh, this is what a healthy relationship looks like. And this is what I should expect from people moving forward. Like, I think this book did a really good job of modeling like what toxic behaviors <laughs> really shouldn't be acceptable that we like accept anyways. Like it was good to hear the characters legit say, like Makeda especially be like, oh, so this is what like people, like this is how a nice person who genuinely wants to be with me would act. Like this is what I want moving forward. Um, and so I really appreciated that because I feel like in a lot of romance books, sometimes characters put up with things that aren't very nice and then it never gets like addressed. <laughs> and so I like that here they like explicitly address it. Um, but uh, speaking of their relationship with, oh yeah, Chris. Um, thanks. I just wanted, I wanted to add something there. I think that it's, interesting and I don't know if it's going to come up I kind of want to talk about I don't know if we're going to talk about Makeda specifically and like because uh, we did talk about like her her you know reluctance with being a royal and her trauma but I don't know if we're going to talk about her specific like personality because I thought that it was an interesting main character for us to be with um 
So I don't know if we we're going to talk about it. If not, then I have, I have some thoughts. What, about what it. do you want to talk about? So um, I think that I, it was a weird situation because I was like, when we first meet Makeda, she's get she's like, she's getting fired. That's terrible. And then like she gets home and then she like gets dumped by her girlfriend. And I thought that it was really interesting that at least my own, my personal reaction to that was, I was, I was not on Makeda's side. I was like, to the girlfriend, I was like, get out of there. Um, because I think that while I can sympathize with Makeda and I can, I can get where she's coming from, why she does the, does the things that she does. I think that one of the great things about what you were talking about, about what a toxic relationship is, is that that Makeda got to work through a lot of her things, so she herself was not a toxic person. Right, yeah, definitely, yeah, I, I'm, it does go both ways, for sure. Yeah, because I think that the kind of person, like this is one of the things that I like ended up learning late in life is that sometimes people kind of like cycle through these like roles of like becoming like, I think it's, I don't remember the exact roles that it is, but it's like the, the rescuer and then the victim and then the persecutor, it sounds really strong, right? But like, uh, in toxic relationships, people will like take turns being this kind of person, or they can be that person themselves with the people that they are like uh, hurting. I want to say, or, or you know, and, and and engaging in the cycle with. So when Makeda was kind of like saying, when the girlfriend says to Makeda, "Oh, like you do this and you do that, and like you don't give me a fucking break to do anything for you," Makeda's like, "Well." You know, you could see her and then she immediately kind of like turns on a dime and is like, well, obviously when it benefited you, you didn't have anything to complain about. And so she becomes like, she goes from like being a victim to being like a persecutor. And then, and then the girlfriend is like, no, you don't get to do that because you know what I mean? Like it was just a whole lot. And I, I liked that our main character wasn't like 100% a perfect person or like a, a full victim because it's very easy for anybody to like fall into a very toxic cycle because like you don't know like what it is that you're doing and people don't know to tell you, hey, like you're being toxic. <laughs> I know you don't mean to, but like you're definitely being toxic right now. So like, you know, it's it's it was good that like that cycle broke with that person and that with Bez, it didn't continue. Like with Bez, it was like, we're going to talk about this so that you can't become the victim so that you can't become the persecutor so that you can't um, become a rescuer because that's what she was. She was like a rescuer. She wanted to water can everybody and, and never do it for herself. And so that's when she runs dry and like lashes out. And that's not like, it's not healthy behavior, but it's like, unfortunately something that literally anybody can go through or put other people through. So I thought that was really cool. I was like, one of the things that was really satisfying for me was seeing how she was able to kind of like chill the fuck out and communicate with Bez and then help Bez in a way that helped herself. And I just, I just wanted to say that cause I was like, oh, hey, yeah, I thought about that <laughs> as I was reading. All of that, 100%, 10 out of 10, really, really good observations. Cause I agree, I was not on Makeda's side when this started because I could see it as like a, wow, you're doing all these things for all these people but you're putting yourself in the position of like, people owe me gratitude because I'm doing all of this for them. And when they don't show me gratitude, then I get to be mad. But if if no one asked you to do things for them, then it really is you just self-sacrificing to then have something to kind of subconsciously hold over people. And so it is good that she 
got called out on it by her ex and and maybe it was something like if the conversation had happened a lot earlier it would have been a different story but clearly it didn't and they weren't able to communicate before it blew up in the way that it did but it makes total sense to me that her girlfriend would like blow up at her because you know why would you want to date someone who is constantly making you feel guilty because of all the stuff that they do for you and you might that might not even that might not be what you need from them that may not be what you want from them but then how can you say stop doing all these things for me without seeming ungrateful and, and I then, think it's and then you cycle. Then they then that becomes like a terrible toxic cycle. It's just exactly it, it happens. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's interesting because if you the way I saw it, Makeda is the only one who changed. Bez didn't really change, in my opinion. She was still very truthful. Was very honest. Um, expressed herself still made decisions rash decisions all the way through to the to the end like was very much like okay like so she was very um true to herself and was kind of i don't think she had to she didn't have like a change in the story because as things happened she was paying attention to them and making note of how Mikado was reacting to things and was like then shifting her behavior based on how Mikado was acting. So she was trying to be very conscientious of what was going on around her and like how Mikado was reacting and feeling about things in a way that was just like very aware. Like it was, it was very, like she was paying a lot of attention to what was going on all the time. Probably, you know, why she's- I think, I think that was like, you're right. I don't think she had as big of a change, but I think that was her like little arc because she did say in the beginning, like, oh, like I really suck at relationships and like blah, 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 blah. And like, these are the rules that I'm gonna try to follow moving forward. And then she like kind of does that. <laughs> so I think I think she just maybe didn't have like as much that needed to like hugely change in this like storyline. But yeah, I mean, that was, that was my next question, like kind of segueing into my next question is, so did you, and I know we always talk about this with our romances, but did you ultimately ship them? Did you believe their romance in the time frame? This is also a pretty short-lived romance. Um, and was the chemistry um, doing it for you? I, I think that, so, okay. The time before the boat was like a little bit of time. Like there was some time spent in the B&B before they go on this like trip. So that adds a little more of like the getting to know you and Bez being intimidated already, obviously. And and so that I think counts as, as getting to know you. And then you're on a boat for 10 days and you're like with this person and you're pretending to be married to them and you're already attracted to them. It's like people who go on The Bachelor or people who go on like these dating shows, they'll say like when there's nothing else to do except be around people who you're attracted to, like the feelings develop super intensely. So I can understand the like chemistry-ness of it. And I don't think they say, I love you. I don't think that happens. 
And I think that's fine. They joke around about like, well, now I guess we got to get married type of thing because they're just very into each other. And so I was totally good with that because it would have snapped me out of it. I wouldn't have been so into it if it had become like an I love you really quickly. Um, so I think just for the time frame, like it, it didn't affect me as much because I knew they were on this boat. They were going through this like role playing situation. By the way, what kind of luxury ass cruiser situation is this? Like, it's a shipping container boat, but they have fucking with a honeymoon suite, honeymoon what the suite hell? and yoga and a movie theater and like rock climbing and care and uh, like karate and like all that shit. That was the that was the, my biggest suspending of disbelief was that this boat. Wasn't it because, wasn't it because, like, the whole thing was, like, concocted by the prince? So, like, he just chartered it the way he fucking wanted it to be, where everyone was, like, equal and had everything. But no one knew, no one knew he was a prince. No, though. nobody knew, but, like. So, yeah, the fact I, that people I, working I on hard, this book. I find it hard to believe that the people working there thought it was normal. Yeah, they're like, yeah, okay, I guess we ship uh, walnuts across the ocean, and we all just, like. <laughs> have uh touchscreen tvs and it's totally fine that some of us are married and living on this boat together and that doesn't break any sort of seafaring rules um as far as the chemistry though they had me at like this escape ship swing sex i was like oh shit they're gonna get caught <laughs> those i was like yep Looks good to me. <laughs> yeah, they really, they really like their um swinging contained compartment. So it was like Ferris wheel and like <laughs> rescue boats. <laughs> Gosh, I was thinking about you during the the sexy scene uh, when there's like um like turbulence, like a lot of they're like, oh no, there's a storm out, and I'm like, oh, oh my god. Never. <laughs> At all. I would have been having like Dramamine drops in my eyeballs and yeah. like in my ears and under my tongue. If anyone tried to touch me during any of that, I would have yeah, been, I would have been like, dying. Oh, sick for this. Get, off of me. Get the fuck away from me. I'm going to distract. It's puking just yeah. everywhere. But yeah, boats. Mm -mm. Boats are not my friend. I, yeah, no. No sexy boat times for me. Nah, dude. My constitution is pretty strong. I think I could do sexy both time, but yeah. Um, but also, Chris, if someone was like, "Oh my God, I need a minute because this storm reminds me of all the hundreds of dead bodies that I saw," <laughs> let me stick my tongue in you. Yeah, we'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, I get what you're saying, but I have, I have, like, I have heard and experienced like the the thing about like when there's like something really sad or when something really sad happens to you like you definitely go to pleasurable or sexy things to take your mind off of it so it's one of those things where Coping like i different ways i'm no, never I, I, wait okay wait poll who has had sad tragic sexy times i'm too busy crying i um i definitely and i won't i mean I, so I just, for the listeners that's only chris yeah it's only me and tashai are crying in a little ball and yeah <laughs> no and it's not like i went from like crying to like whatever it was like a really intense my cousin had just died um it was very unexpected and i went to the funeral and i was just like fuck man and you know it was just 
at the end of the day, you know, they had already passed away. A couple of days passed, and then we had the funeral. Yeah. No, I totally get you. Like, I'm not judging you or anything. It's and just always the evening, and then in the evening, the evening of, I was just like, yeah, I'm ready to, I'm ready to not think about this, and I, I definitely, with that in mind, like, was like, yeah, I'm definitely gonna have sex with my partner now, and then we did, and I was just like, fantastic, that's great, and it came up like, oh shouldn't you feel sad about the funeral? And then I was like, I think that I, I think this was because of that. I think that I just- we, To be it. fair, now that I think about it, and it was not immediate, so I don't think it counts, but to be fair, my, um, <laughs> I got together with my current partner on the night of the anniversary of my dad's death, but it was like five years later. So actually, our anniversary, I always celebrated the day after. The day after. But um, yeah. So you're right. I guess it it happens. delayed. I'm a delayed reaction sort of person. I'm more of an immediate gratification person. Yeah. You know? and I'm <laughs> sobbing <laughs> uncontrollably. I was listening to a podcast earlier about. I don't even want to get into it. I was like crying making quesadillas because I'll listen to this American Life podcasts and it'll be like, this recording was done in like 2014. And I'll be like, oh, I wonder how the people are. And he was like, uh, so-and-so did get out of jail, but his dad died a year before he did. And so they never got to go fishing. And I'm like, <gasps> no. So fucking sad. at the situation, just laughing. So at fucking sad. And I'm just like sad making quesadillas sad cutting onions like crying onion tears and sad tears while holding a recently sharpened knife it was this whole thing i was trying not to cut my finger off like came close yeah. <laughs> okay well in 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 more <laughs> in more uh, more of an uplifting track because i think there were some really good side characters in this book um which side character would you want to star in their own romance? The Who's friends. Romance? What? The prince on the boat. The prince. <laughs> the prince. <laughs> oh okay, my God, yeah. this guy's so talented. Cut to I know you're the prince. But like, oh! <laughs> he is. But also, I really wanted to know more about like the secret married couple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or, or even like a prequel to the grandma, like the grandma yes, looking yes. up. Yeah. Yeah, how did the grandma, the grandma's affair with the king who never wanted to marry the lady who she was in charge of protecting, and then they, like, had sex the one time before he goes to war and she gets knocked up? I'd read that story, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Honestly, yeah, I, a, a, an embarrassment of fantastic side I, characters. I do think, I do think, well, I mean, obviously, I don't know, because I don't think the first book is like, I don't think this book is related to the first book in the series, right? Mm -hmm. So there's nothing to indicate that that prince would get his own book. But if he was the third book in the series, I would read it. Yeah, I don't think she's working on, I like, like I said, I read a couple of interviews uh, before today. Um, and sh the next book she's working on is part of a different series. But I wouldn't be surprised. I spent a lot of, she spent a lot of time on, on this guy. I would be very mm -hmm. surprised if he didn't turn up at yeah. some point. Yeah, he he is a very enticing character to yeah. read. So Beloved I feel like he needs to happen, needs to appear again. Yeah, I want to. Also, they 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 leave enough like mystery to it where it's like, 
who's the person that he keeps referring to, right? And like, yeah. why, you he know what I mean? Like, or whatever. No, we really don't know. Like all his answers are so like vague and mysterious. Maybe it was a different man who he was in love with. And that's why he kept rejecting the women oh, they were trying no. to set him up with. <laughs> oh my God. That would be that would be pretty great. Good. Sorry, listeners. I will try to lower that, but <laughs> that would be pretty fucking killer. Mm. Um, well, no, I only have one question left. Um, and this is not so much related to this book specifically, but if you were to be like in your life in this kind of situation, would you want to be like the bodyguard investigator or the princess? Like what role in your fantasy version of this, which role would you be playing and why? Ugh, and the and why it's such a teacher. <laughs> Wait, is it based in this specific circumstance? Because then, spoiler alert, don't listen if you haven't read the book. No, no, no. It doesn't, it's not specifically this book. <laughs> of course, it would be like, she's back. <laughs> in general, would you want your job to be like, I'm this bodyguard tasked with retrieving this lost royal? Or would you want to be the person who gets a knock on their door one day? And someone princess. shows up telling you you're a royal. I'm a princess. I have a lot of debt. I want to be the princess. I want someone to make a decree that my debt's not real anymore. And then I'll make a monarchy-based cryptocurrency. And then <laughs> princess, 100%. I think that I would be, I definitely would probably be the bodyguard. Because I love the thought of being a detective or investigator, you know? And I am enough of a romantic that I would definitely be thinking like very like Whitney Houston bodyguard thoughts where I'm like, I'm going to save this person. They're going to fall in love with me. And then it's like, I can be both. And I can be rich because my partner's suddenly rich uh, or is rich. Um, <laughs> and then I also, I'm still a kick-ass person, like a kick-ass investigator. <laughs> How about you, Drea? Yeah, but if you're a princess, you can pay them to train you to do these things. I know, but I don't know. I just feel like... The princess stuff comes with a lot of extra shit that I don't want to do. Whereas my duties are very clear. Like my clock in and clock out time are very clear as a bodyguard investigator person. Um, I would definitely want to be the princess only because I would want to be able to um, get the unavailable, emotionally reserved bodyguard to fall in love with me. <laughs> because in my fantasy version of this, they are not as open and communicative as Bez was. Um, they are very stoic and I have to break down the walls. Um, and then once I've won over the bodyguard, then we elope. And we become the missing, I become the missing royal because I don't actually want to be the princess. I just wanted to put myself in the bodyguard situation and then run off with the bodyguard. Melissa Cole had an interview with Frolic and then she, she said, I enjoy exploring the less glamorous parts of royalty. In my book, it's job and often an annoying one and almost always one that wasn't wanted. So uh, I enjoy exploring how people who have this political power use it, how it affects their friendships and romantic relationships. And I also love making my own countries and kingdoms and figuring out their languages and histories and imagining what kind of monarchy they'd produce. So I think that's pretty cool. I think that's a world building in a romance. That's, that's awesome. 
like that that kind of like create your own country and make your make your romance work there the language in this book was driving me crazy i was like what is this like portuguese italian spanish like mishmash you've got going on where it's like yeah pick one <laughs> here's here's what i here's what i propose Alyssa Cole is like super into like world building. Here's my request and or request to take on this job. Um, I would like Alyssa Cole to create this royal world and make it into a playable RPG a la thirsty sword lesbians. You know, oh, like yeah. I think that, that could what work. Is that? So this is a, a game that I, it's like a, it's like a role-playing game where you play. Why haven't we played this? Well, because I was waiting to show it to you in our hangout. Oh, I see. Was this your dramatic moment? Yeah. <laughs> I were I both like, it the, I brought it to the hangout. <laughs> anyway, so I think. We're both true. immediately offended. What the hell, Christina? Jeez, I'm trying. Try Why to, didn't you share this? <laughs> the reaction I'm going for is always like, ooh, that's cool. I can't wait to play that because obviously that's why I'm showing it to you. Anyway. I think that would be pretty cool. We get to play as the characters in the books, like Iberania, Iberania, whatever. I'm excited. I was excited to show it to you guys. And because like, you know, there's strong lesbians in this book. So I wanted to show strong sword lesbians. I mean, listen, that's literally like that. That is that is my entire like. Um, I don't know how you would phrase it, but like like my biggest disappointment in myself is that I wish I was that kind of person, but I'm not. And so all I can do is be attracted to people who are like that because I wish I was like that, but I'm never, I'm always going to be the Mikado, okay? Always <laughs> is unfortunately what it is. That that game looks amazing. Would you Would you write a royal romance yes i would absolutely write wait a royal romance adventure yes i would do that that was a lot of fun uh thanks for not judging me for having sex the night of my cousin's funeral um, oh no i'm not gonna judge you i just it would have been a different answer if it had been happening at the event but... <laughs> <laughs> very flea bag of me. Just very flea bag of me. Well, that is it for our discussion of How to Find a Princess by Alyssa Cole. We will see you at the end of August where we get to read a flavorful Pride and Prejudice retelling. But until then, bye! <laughs> Thank you for hanging out with us. You can support Only Lovers Book Club by dropping some change in our tip jar and buying some books with our bookshop link. You can find us on Instagram at Only Lovers Book Club and from there, find our individual accounts and projects. Feel free to favorite or rate us if that's an option for you, but always make sure to like and subscribe and turn on your notifications so you never miss an episode.